Well, I'm going to tell you a little story about a lady named Sister Lil. Now, you probably wouldn't meet her because she lives a long way away. She lives in China. Her name is Sister Lil. So we were serving in a registered church in southeast Yunnan province in 2009. For those of you who don't know, Yunnan province is in southwest China. It borders Vietnam, Laos, and Burma. So right near the Golden Triangle. We lived in that area for a number of years. Um, so Leo Zemei, she was bubbly. She was eager to serve. She was a lot of fun, I'll tell you what. Um, she was a bit of a mess, though. She had significant trauma in her background. She was divorced and was doing her best to raise her son on her own. In fact, when we were in that church, we saw that a lot. A lot of situations where mom was raising her child because dad was out of the picture. But she was doing her best. You know, we spent many happy times with her and other local Christians serving and reaching out in rural areas during that time period. One of my favorite memories was we were at a New Year's celebration at somebody's house. It was actually a church member at a pretty big house and three floors. And uh, we were on the top floor, and there was some Hmong. Anybody heard of Hmong? There's a lot in the Atlanta area, H-M-O-N-G. In China, they call them Meow. But there were some Hmong ethnic Christians and we had invited them to come worship with the, the church, which is mostly Han Chinese. And we were on that third floor, and we decided to have a little fun with them and teach them a new game. Well, they had never played musical chairs. But in China, you don't really have chairs. They have stools, plastic stools. Not very sturdy plastic stools. I had broken more than a few in my time. But we decided to teach them musical chairs. So you can imagine there's these village people. I mean, not, not, not the YMCA, but village people. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, they're wearing kind of sandals, kind of dirty clothes. They're, 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 they're ethnic minorities, so they're kind of on the lower end of the social s scale there in China. But we're teaching them to play a game. And so you see these well-dressed, middle-class Chinese Christians interacting with these kind of low-class, poor, ethnic Christians, and they start playing a game together. And it was the coolest thing. I, can, I, can, I can't recount all the details to you, but they had a blast. And Sister Leo was right in the middle. But when it came to the attitude of the Chinese government towards religious freedom, she was surpassingly naive. Because what China was saying on the news was, you have religious freedom. Your religious freedom is guaranteed. And so she believed it. I mean, she's like, hey, the China of the past, I mean, that's in the past. Now we're open. You can believe what you want to believe. And, and so there's religious freedom for all. So she bought the propaganda hook, line, and sinker. So, on the phone one day, we were discussing an upcoming outreach trip. In fact, we were driving around in my van near, near one of the public squares trying to find where she was. So we called her and said, where are you at? We're going to come pick you up. And um, she decided to use the dreaded Chinese word, the specific term for missionary. Over the phone. She uses the word missionary. Not, not, not pastor, not, not shepherd, not servant, but missionary. Don't try to remember that. But it's the word for missionary. She used it. And what's worse, she said she was looking forward to our trip to the village because she knew that I'm a missionary. And, that, and, and that's why you've come. Because you're a missionary. I think she must have said it four or five, in my mind, 50 times. Over the airwaves, on the phone, where somebody's listening somewhere. Or maybe somebody's are listening somewhere. So I half expected the PSB, which is what we call the, the police, the Public Security Bureau, to show up immediately and throw me into a paddy wagon, never to be heard from again. But thankfully, God was merciful. Maybe the person or persons typically listening were on coffee break. I don't know. 
But you know what? It goes without saying that for us, for us Americans, it's difficult, unless we've been in a restricted access situation, to fathom this, right? That people could get into trouble for exercising their First Amendment right. I'm going to start with a couple of quotes from our forefathers expressing both the value and the cost of our personal and national freedom, which is freedom that so many of our brothers and sisters in the Lord around the world do not enjoy. John Quincy Adams said, Posterity, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. Now, how many times are we guilty of taking for granted the freedoms that we enjoy? Pull up the next quote. Thomas Paine said this, What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything value. Heaven knows how to put a price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Now, for a lot of us, maybe for me, I did not fight, you know. I was the black sheep in my family. Everybody else served. I did not. Did not serve in a foreign war. Some of you have or know somebody who has, and they know the dearness. They know the cost. Third quote is from Galatians 3.22. Talking about a different kind of freedom that transcends circumstance. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Now who has traveled to an area where freedom is restricted? Where? Okay, Russia? Iran. Iran, really? Interesting. Sandy? Okay. Michael? Prison. Okay. Freedom is restricted. Absolutely. Now, how did you feel in that situation? Did, did, you, did you, was it, what, what, what freedoms were restricted? In Iran, for instance. Good talk to women. Okay. You uh, had to be respected of all the laws and customs, etc. Right. But it was only there three weeks, but that was fine. Long enough, right? I mean, you can sense it, and, I, and I've sensed it myself, but if you haven't been in those kind of places, it's difficult to imagine life without freedom, right? The freedom to say what you want to say, to do what you want to do, to not have to check with somebody to make sure you're not going to get into trouble. But for many in our world today, the freedom found through faith in Jesus Christ is the only realistic freedom available. And you know what? We are, I'm eternally grateful those who have served our country, who still serve our country. But today we're going to focus on a freedom that does not depend upon military efforts to ensure. But that doesn't mean it comes without a cost, right? And the reason is, the first point today is that freedom is never free. Freedom is never free, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. There is always cost. You ever try to go to a store and get your free item? It's advertised. Is it usually free? Now, Chick-fil-A is the exception. <laughs> Freedom is never free. There is always a cost. Ephesians 1, 6 through 8 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace. And what is grace? He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. 
He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. So our freedom what was what? What does the scripture say? It was purchased. There was cost. There was a bill. Somebody had to pay it, and Jesus paid it. First Timothy 2.6 says he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Again, our freedom was purchased. There was a cost. Now, salvation cost us nothing, right? What did it cost you? Acceptance. What did it cost you? Acceptance. Okay. But it didn't cost you anything. All you had to do was say yes. The gift was offered. The gift was free. It cost you nothing, but it cost Jesus what? Everything. Everything. It cost Jesus everything. And in order for you and I to come to a saving faith in Christ, there was a price tag not just for Christ. But for others, right? For me, it cost my parents. Boy, did it cost my parents. <laughs> lots of conversations, lots of prayers, lots of times taking us to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Cost my parents a lot, a lot of grief, a lot of late nights, a lot of conversations to figure out what to do with me. It cost <laughs> my parents. It cost my preachers. The ones who had to deal with me, the ones who had to oversee me, it cost their wives. You know, I was sometimes a bit of a troublemaker. I know none of you can relate to that. I know that none of my children cause any problems. But it cost my preachers, it cost my friends. I can remember friends who were concerned about me. I didn't become a Christian when I was 17. They were concerned. I can remember heartfelt conversations with friends who cared enough to speak to me and say, you need to rethink where you're headed. They, I care about you. It cost my Sunday school teachers. Can I get an amen? We got any Sunday school teachers out there? It cost me. It cost you. You weren't even around. <laughs> it cost my teammates. I had teammates on my basketball team that were concerned about me. The bottom line is there were many people over the years who persisted in loving me. They persisted in loving me when I persisted in being difficult. Can anybody identify with that today? So it didn't just cost, it cost Jesus everything, and it cost others something, didn't it? To lead you to Christ, to point you in the right direction. That, those conversations, those meals, those encouragements, those challenges that they offered, they gave of themselves. They gave of their time, of their heart, to lead you to Jesus. So freedom is never free, there is always a cost. So who did it cost? Think about it. I want you to be thankful. To the Lord, thankful to them. Maybe there's somebody you need to talk to this week and say, you know what? It cost you to lead me. It cost you to bless me. It cost you to point me to the Lord. So who did it cost to point you toward freedom? The second point today is that freedom that is not celebrated is soon forgotten. Right? You don't celebrate that freedom, appreciate, value that freedom, then it's soon forgotten. Who's got veterans of foreign wars in their family tree? Tell me about it. Bill? Uh, my uncle was uh, a veteran in coal uh, in Norway. He told he was a skier. He used to have to shoot and skis and stuff. During World War II? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, I heard about the campaign. Dave? Carl and Austin uncle in Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. My grandfather's bed was supposed to have been occupied by him, and he was transferred out a couple days before. Joan? Yeah, I, I misunderstood. Oh, that's okay. okay. I, I'll, I'll have to 
celebrate those who gave to liberate, right? When somebody gave something, when they sacrificed in order to liberate somebody else. And this is why we take the Lord's Supper weekly, right? Because Jesus gave everything. He gave everything to liberate you and to liberate me from the power of sin. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 through 26 says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give myself, my body for you. So do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. So he's offering his body. He's confirming the agreement with his own blood. Do this in remembrance of me for every time. You eat this bread and drink this cup, and you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And why is this important, you know? For us to celebrate when people give of themselves to liberate. It's because when we celebrate, when you and I celebrate somebody's service, somebody's sacrifice, then we're inspired to do what? Remember. To remember, but we're also inspired to imitate. When we celebrate those who gave to liberate, then we're inspired to imitate. Now, there are times when my children imitate me that I'm a little bit embarrassed. Can I get an amen? amen. I can remember a time recently when a child who shall remain nameless referred to another driver on the road with an unflattering designation. And I felt a little bit convicted. But there are other times when I'm humbled and thankful. 
Recently, while listening, we were all listening to Jonathan and Heather Powell talk about all that God was doing in Ukraine, and we were celebrating it together. And we were so moved that we decided to pray for them. The entire church came forward, laid hands on their family, and prayed for them. And we were celebrating what God was doing in Ukraine through that family. We were celebrating. Well, at camp a few weeks ago, the campfire speaker was emotional. I mean, she got up there, and I don't know that she'd done a lot of speaking before, but she did so good. And she was so emotional. She was celebrating what God had done in her life. She talked about being abandoned as a child being basically thrown out of the house as a teenager. And she went to a church, Galilee Christian Church, and found friends and found family, and God changed her life. And now she's serving him. She's leading worship. She's speaking to students. She's investing in their lives. And she was celebrating what God had done in her life. And one of my little kids, again, I won't pick out which one, piped up from the back row. He's sitting on the front row. Piped up from the back row, and he was moved. He was he was excited. He was inspired by this person who was celebrating what God had done in their lives. And he said, can we pray for her? Can we come up and lay hands on her and pray for her? And I was so encouraged. And you know where he learned that? He saw it right here. Because when we celebrate those who gave to liberate, when we celebrate what God's doing, what God's up to, then it inspires us to imitate so it's important not just to recognize the cost because freedom is never free, but it's important for us to celebrate our freedom so that it will not be soon forgotten. So may our recognition and celebration of what our freedom cost the Lord Jesus, let it inspire us to adopt the following attitude. It's the third point today. Freedom isn't just for me. And that's where we get messed up, isn't it? I'm free. I have my rights. You can't tell me what to do. I am my own boss. I'm the captain of my own ship. It's guaranteed in the Constitution. But freedom isn't just for me. Freedom isn't just for you. I use it to serve others. Galatians 5 verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use it just for you. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Because this is what it's like before we trust Christ. Is we don't have any other choice, do we? I mean, we think that we're in control. We think that we're big and bad. We think that we're large and in charge. But in reality, we're just serving a master. We're serving sin. We're serving ourselves. We're serving the interests of the enemy. But we think that we're in control. But when we're freed, when Jesus purchased your salvation and my salvation, he released us. He took off the chains. And we actually have the opportunity for the first time to live a life of service, a life of significance, a life we get to be used by God to bless others. So Jesus is saying, or Paul's saying, don't use that, don't misuse that freedom. You're free. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as in other words, it's not just about me. My life isn't just about me. It's also about you. It's about the Lord. It's about you. It's about my community. It's about my workplace. It's, a, it's living an outward life. 1 Peter 2.16 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. I believe that verse says it's a cover-up for evil. 
So we use our freedom not just for us, but to serve others. Let me tell you a little story. After the South was defeated at the Battle of Gettysburg, did a little history for you. General Robert E. Lee expected the Union forces under the leadership of General George Meade to immediately pursue a counterattack and utterly destroy his reeling army. So what had happened was Lee and the troops were backed up against the river, backed up against the Potomac. It was flooded. There was no escape. And not only did Meade have 20,000 soldiers at his disposal, he could have called other garrisons from the region in to eliminate the threat, and the war could have been ended right then and there. But for whatever reason, best we can determine is George Meade had had his fill the battle. He wanted to take a break. He didn't want to incur any further loss of life for his men, and he didn't want to endure any further hardship. So all he did was he just kind of, like, like you know, shut him on the chicks along. He just kind of followed Lee. And then he gave him room. He gave him time to escape. And Lincoln was noticed, was obviously frustrated that Meade did not aggressively pursue Lee and his troops. So as a result, what remained of the Northern Army of Virginia crossed over the Potomac, escaping destruction, and the war continued for almost two more years, and hundreds of thousands more troops died. And the, his problem was that Meade had the power. He had the authority. He had the opportunity, but he chose to leverage it to shield his squadron further hardship rather than serve the greater good. And it's similar with us, right? And we're not in charge of armies, but when we leverage our freedom, we leverage our freedom, our opportunity in Christ carelessly, and we can also miss opportunities to serve the greater good. We get focused on where we're at with our stuff, with our challenges, with our problems, and we miss opportunities to serve the greater good because we are free, thank God. We are free from the power of sin. Can I get an amen? We are free from the power of sin. But what are we going to do with that freedom? What are we going to do with that opportunity? So if we will recognize and celebrate the price that was paid by Jesus to secure our freedom, then we'll be in a better frame of mind to use our freedom to serve others. Because the truth about us and our freedom is that, you know how you and I celebrate freedom? It's not just with words. It's not just with flags and bumper stickers. All those are important. It's not just with fireworks, even though I love fireworks. It's not just with barbecue, even though I love barbecue. You know how we celebrate freedom? It's by the way we live. It's by the way we live. It's what you do with that freedom that shows how you value it. So what about you today? Do you understand that freedom is not free? I mean, when you and I are living our lives, do we just kind of go about our business, going to work, paying bills, enjoying the weekend? Are we just focused on our lives, or are we recognizing that our freedom is not free? That it costs some people something, and it costs Jesus everything. Do you celebrate those who gave to liberate? I mean, are you regularly celebrating what Christ gave on the cross? Are you celebrating what people have given to you to liberate you? How do you use your freedom in your daily life? I mean, do you use it to serve others? Or is it sometimes tempting to just focus on your own things and serve yourself? But what if you and I, what if we understood the value of freedom? What if we understood... The cost 
of freedom, that it costs somebody something. It costs Jesus everything. What if we understood the value of freedom? What if we chose to regularly celebrate those who gave and give to liberate? What if we celebrated it? That was our focus, to celebrate Christ, to celebrate those who serve. Wouldn't it maybe inspire us? Would it maybe inspire us to imitate what we see in the Word of God? What we see in the believers that we know? Well, would it inspire us to imitate? And what if we used our freedom not to advance ourselves, but to serve others? Because freedom isn't free. There is a cost. Freedom needs to be celebrated so that it's not forgotten. And freedom isn't just for you and me. Our freedom is to serve others. Think about what God could do with a group of people who value freedom to that extent that it affects the way that they live. Because freedom is celebrated, truly celebrated, by the way that you and I live. God, thank you so much for today and this uh, chance to be in your house and to consider the cost, to consider the price that your son Jesus paid on the cross for our freedom, to celebrate it, to remember it, and then to leverage that freedom, God, not just for ourselves, but by the way we live, may we show that we truly value, that we truly celebrate the freedom that was given to us in Jesus by the way that we live, by the people that we serve, by the way that we lower ourselves and follow his example. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, because the people that go out and serve our country, I know, in part, are inspired by you and your sacrifice. And God, I pray specifically for them that you would protect our, our country, that you would protect our soldiers as they serve. And help us to be good soldiers of Christ Jesus, as you said to Timothy, to the Apostle Paul, that he just needs to do what he's called to do and do his part to be a blessing and to serve and to leverage his freedom for the benefit of others and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.